This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on a very consequential day, middle of a pandemic, middle of a recession, middle of uh, uh, violence in all the major cities in this country. I mean, you, you have... Uh, you have arrests aplenty, but not nearly enough. 39 major cities with curfews, uh, 30 cities with unrest. The good news, I guess, perhaps, is Minneapolis and D.C. had a semblance of order. I don't mind the protests. Just put the protests aside. I get it. I don't get the riots. I don't know who these people are, why they feel they could destroy our country. But this is anti-American behavior. Racial justice, that is done. I get it. I want to talk about it. I can't wait to have that conversation. I have a real perspective on it personally because I've been studying so hard on it uh, because it's for the next project I'm working on. Uh, Where we've been, where we were, and where we're going. I love that conversation. I think there's nothing but upside to having it. I mean it. But I can't talk about what's happening in these cities because it has nothing to do with anybody that wants to make America better. They want to destroy it. And these are, they look like 18 to 25 year olds, an undercurrent of subversive activity, which I think we have to interrogate those who are arrested and get to the bottom of it. This hour, I'm going to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He's recovering from a devastating motorcycle accident, but man, he's tough as nails. He has an opinion, 30 years in the military. He's back with, um, back in Texas from Florida. And now he's also back in the National Guard. So how do we get a hold of these cities tactically and emotionally and empower our officers? Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Right. And of course, he gets big pushback on that. Trump time, how the president is trying to take control and pushing governors to do the same while the critics rage at his tone and rhetoric. Number two. If I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, then what are y'all doing? Y'all protest, y'all destroy stuff. Let's do this another way. With that statement, we turned the corner. The difference is profound between the protesters and the rioters. Are these rioters the protesters for George Floyd? Of course not. The rioters are out to destroy the country. It's organized, it's lethal, and it has to be brought down today. Number one. We need order, we need structure, we need discipline, and frankly, we need people leaning in with compassion, throwing bombs towards one another. It only eliminates all life. So I recommend that we focus our attention on progress. The state of the union is chaos. While Minneapolis and D.C. seem to be under control to a degree, most of the other major cities are not as lawlessness and looting rage and cops are targeted. Look at some of these stats. In New York City, you had a cop run over. In New York City, you had one beat up. You had 13 cars burned and 47 police vehicles damaged. Can you believe this? 13 just flat out burned, two of which by lawyers on Sunday. Unbelievable, too, right? Monday night, they decided at the last minute, let's have a curfew. Let's have the governor, not tell the mayor. 
and you didn't even tell people who commercial drivers. They're out to drop off supplies for the few stores that are open. Now they hear, well, there's, wait a second, there's a curfew? Can I even get into Manhattan? Now I'm watching the protesters, but more than likely now mass because of the pandemic, we watch the rioters. And this is absolutely out of control. Uh, the looters target Manhattan stores, uh, of, of the high-end stores. So I guess they're leaving the rundown areas alone. And they're going down Saks Fifth Avenue. They're going for Bloomingdale's. Uh, they're going in Soho. They're going to Midtown Manhattan. Uh, we'll see what's going to be happening here. But I see organization. I see infiltration. I see communication. And I see a game plan. A game plan to kill this city. Uh, New York, Los Angeles, specifically Santa Monica. Duh, we have uh, Dr. Darren Porch, a former NYPD lieutenant. Cut eight. When we look at the social contract, it affords us as citizens protections from government. However, we have a chief administrator, that being Mayor de Blasio, is putting that to the side and seems as if he's at the forefront for the agenda of these protesters. I, need, I shouldn't even say they're protesters. They're, they're rioters. Not protesters. These are, these are not, yeah, thank right, you. They're, they're rioters. They're engaging in riotous behavior, which is a complete sense of lawlessness. Policy should be dictated from one police plaza, not from City Hall, in connection with police procedures. Well, John Miller, you know, former reporter uh, turned deputy uh, counterterror officer for the LAPD, says a significant number of people from out of the area have come in, as well as the advanced preparation in terms of advanced scouts, being encrypted communications, having resupply routes for things like gasoline and accelerants, as well as rocks, bottles, and bricks to raise the bail, then they then, then raising hell, taking together is a strong indicator that they plan to act with disorder. So they got a plan. They're bringing, they're bringing cars in without plates and just leaving them in the street. They're supply cars. Do you believe this is happening in America? We got the 19th. This is what Dan Hoffman told me today, former CIA guy. You got the 1918 pandemic today, obviously. You have the 1929 depression, 39 million out of work. And now you have the unrest of 1968 when RFK, MLK, and the Vietnam War was raging. All at one time. Here's the president, cut one. In recent days, our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents. So uh, elsewhere around the country, four are shot in St. Louis. We're going to talk to Mark Cox from our, uh, the great morning show host from KFTK. He's going to be joining us, bringing us inside there. Lawlessness on the streets. So uh, four are shot. You see what's happening in Los Angeles. These clowns are so out of control, they're actually fighting with each other. You got 95 arrested on the fourth day of protest in Atlanta. 95, 200 in New York. In California, you got looters in California turning on each other and start fighting over clothes that they stole. Where are the cops? I know it's a spread out city. I'm not sure how they're backed by, uh, by the mayor who just wants to shut down the city putting all types of tension and stress uh, on everybody, from the rich to the not-so-rich. I love that happened in Minneapolis. I love that uh, the brother spoke out, uh, Terrence. I love that he said, listen, if you're going to sound off, 
You're not signing off on my brother's name and don't use him as an excuse. He would not want to wreck the city, wreck his own town in his memory. It makes no sense. But who are these people? Laura Logan knows Antifa up close and personal. She's dealt with a lot of that when she was at other networks. Cut 26. It is scattered, and that's by design because it's a massive network that spreads, you know, all across the U.S. and across the world, actually. It's a global movement, and that's not my words. That's their words, right? And, of course, legal experts, all these people um, want you to believe that you can't designate them. Why? Because it brings with it very significant authority. So, for example, all those people contributing bail money now to members of Antifa and other anarchist groups, if they're terrorist organizations, um, then they're contributing to terrorist groups and that's illegal so that will the money will dry up certainly sources of funding will dry up she goes on cut 27 the new york times should be ashamed of itself for printing such blatant propaganda go to their websites either you didn't do your job or you're on someone else's team but you're not serving the constitution of the united states because that document is ultimately what it's all about that's what stands between america now today as americans have known it all their lives and this world where america has to die in order for their world to exist wow uh some strong words and this is somebody who just joined fox She's doing Fox Nation work, but her, her experience is so valuable. She doesn't look at just what happens here. She spends a lot of time in Iraq and Afghanistan and Egypt where uh, we know she had to fight for her life. Uh, she looks at anti-terror groups and understands how the world looks from the outside in. That's why she's so valuable. But the key moment for me yesterday was Terrence Floyd. He made it clear. Listen, he is as angry as anybody and as saddened as anybody, and he wants things straightened out, Minneapolis police and around the country as much as anybody. But he went out of his way to say, don't use my brother's name to defile the country and our own neighborhoods and beat up cops. Cut 28. I understand y'all upset, but like it was already said, I doubt y'all half as upset as I am. So if I'm not over here wilding out, if I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, then what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Y'all doing nothing because that's not going to bring my brother back at all. Absolutely. And the weird thing is, the challenging thing for, for me and maybe you is whatever you think of Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whoever the African-American leader is, you knew where they stood, you knew what they wanted to see done, you knew who to talk to. Who do you talk to? Where can you find out what can be reformed, what can be addressed, what can be changed? When all you see is people just wrecking the fabric of the country, I would expect this to be happening from Al-Qaeda, from ISIS, not from Americans. Who's behind this and where we're going, we'll discuss that. We're also going to talk about how the president's handling I don't know how any president would really have his ratings go up after this. But against Joe Biden, he's trailing between 8 and 10 points nationally. Has he closed the gap? Because I think he'll be an infinitely better president than Joe Biden on his best day. Certainly Joe, Joe Biden saying, why don't cops shoot people in the leg instead of the chest? Uh, is not the type of cutting-edge philosophy that's going to help us with law enforcement. He actually said that yesterday. So Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Alan West in 10 minutes. Mark Cox shortly. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Some coward fired shots at officers, and, and now we have four in the hospital. But thankfully, and, and thank God, can't lie, can't lie. But I, I, you, you, what? can we make some sense out of this? No, uh, four officers shot, uh, and that police chief, John Hayden, cannot make sense of it. African-American police chief, a big guy, uh, obviously really upset and angered uh, when about 200 protesters ransacked, tried to ransack St. Louis. In New York, it's much bigger than that, the damage much greater. But man, with the four, sh- uh, four shootings, you got us beat, Mark Cox. At the outstanding talk show host in the morning, Mark Cox Morning Show on FM News Talk 97.1 KFTK. We're, we're lucky enough to be carried uh, and be one of our key affiliates there. Mark, how do you make sense of this? Brian, we're all angry. Uh, John Hayden kind of spoke for the city, I think, early this morning when he gave that interview to the media. He, he doesn't understand it. Uh, you know, these, these protests have been largely peaceful yesterday, and then darkness falls, and there seem to be forces that, that don't want there to be peace and somebody opened fire on these police officers last night. Now, that happened, and in the backdrop of all of that, they, they burned a 7-Eleven in the middle of downtown. They looted a couple of stores uh, along the Tucker Boulevard where the city hall is that included you know, some cell phone stores and stuff like that. Those were broken into, and in large part, the police left the looters alone. You could see video of the looters moving into the stores and moving out. Uh, and then at some point after that, shots were fired at these police officers. And it is so frustrating. Uh, I know a lot of members of law enforcement in St. Louis, and, and they're beside themselves. Uh, number one, they feel like their hands are tied from a law enforcement perspective. Uh, and now they've got targets on their back. 
who, whoever would want to be a police officer these days, you have to be someone extraordinarily special because you're not going to get rich doing it. Can you tell me about the incidents? It all happened in one place? It did. It happened in downtown St. Louis, which is where, uh, there, I mean, there were protests in several different areas. There were protests in Ferguson, which, of course, uh, everybody in America remembers the name Ferguson. Uh, that they, Some of the protests have targeted there the last few days. The city hall was attacked, the police station there, uh, but there was no major violence uh, that really broke out. I mean, there were a few minor arrests. Last night, the protest happened in another suburb of St. Louis and also in downtown St. Louis. The shootings happened in the middle of downtown last night. And here's the other sad news we just learned, Brian. There was a pawn shop uh, in the downtown area as well that looters attempted to break into. Uh, A gentleman who was providing security was shot and killed at this pawn shop. And the news has just broken here in St. Louis that he was a retired St. Louis City police sergeant, and his wife is still on the force. So he was working uh, a second job in security, even though he's retired, and he lost his life last night trying to defend this business. What are your gun laws? Excuse me for not knowing this, Mark. I mean, New York, if you're just caught with a gun with that, you know, it's very hard to get it. Uh, You're going to jail. We saw it with Plaxico Burris with the New York Giants. He was caught with a gun, not licensed. He went to jail. I mean, what about right. you guys in Missouri? Well, you know, we, we have uh, concealed carry here without a permit. You, if you, as long as you're not a felon, as long as you're over the age of 19, uh, you can carry a weapon without, um, uh, you know, as long as you, as long as you don't have a, a felony. Uh, in your background in most places, and we also have concealed carry laws that allow you to do that. So there's been a debate in the city about that issue, Uh, some people wanting to change the law in the city so that they could uh, stop underage people who are carrying guns. Well, you know, we're common-sense conservatives here. We're like, what what are you doing? You, You can't do that. First of all, if they're under the age of 19, they're not allowed to have a gun anyway. Uh, federally, they, they shouldn't have a gun. So it's these nonsense laws like this that we push back on. I'm not sure that the gun laws uh, play a role in this. I mean, uh, apparently it's easier to, uh, you, if you stop somebody in North St. Louis in a lot of these neighborhoods, they're more likely to have a gun in their waistband than to have a dollar in their wallet in many cases. Wow. And could you tell me the condition of the officers? Okay, four officers were shot, two were wounded in the leg, I think another in the in the arm or the side. None, none of them are life-threatening. Uh, they're all going to be okay, but it's, you know, it's a scary time for our officers, not only in the city, but, you know, they're getting help from officers in the county. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. From the Highway Patrol. Uh, so this is really multi-jurisdictional here, and they're all, they're all a little nervous after what happened last night. Hey, Mark, we're trying to figure out New York, especially Minneapolis. Uh, obviously, there's huge problems in Los Angeles 
uh, California. But real quick, do you think that these uh, the, the looters are from the outside or from the inside? Brian, I had two callers to my show this morning who who claimed to have been at these at the protests in Ferguson the last couple of nights, and they were also there six years ago in 2014 after the Michael Brown case. They told me there are very clearly people who are not part of the community who are in there. Uh, instigating a lot of these problems and then leaving the community uh, to pay the price. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't local protesters who are also causing violence, but a lot of them seem to believe, and and police here have told me as well, that there are certainly outside forces. The mayor of Ferguson told me that just the other day when I had him on, maybe yesterday, I believe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mark Cox does a great job on 97.1 KFTK. Thanks, Mark. Uh, and hope those officers continue to make progress. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Is the mayor of New York in control of the city at this point? Errol, I mean, respectfully, I I appreciate that that is your provocative question, but it's quite clear we're having an issue in one part of the city. Overwhelmingly, the city right now has been peaceful throughout. I've been all over the city the last few days. Overwhelmingly peaceful. I'm just not going to accept a misunderstanding of what's happening in the city. The city is fully under control and overwhelmingly calm and peaceful. That's just reality. I'm seeing it with my own eyes. Oh, he is a clown. Mayor de Blasio saying when you when you wreck 47 police cars, put 13 on fire. We cut on video a cop being beat up by looters who can't be stopped. So richest, most uh, uh, most uh, most sought after stores in the country forced to shut down for the pandemic that's been dragged on way too long by city officials. Uh, We're watching rampant looting and lawlessness on the streets. And that mayor who can't even control his own daughter, who got arrested for protesting, who knows what she was doing to get arrested because protesting is allowed, violence not allowed. He wants to really tell everyone everything's in control. Feels so bad for these cops who got to defend this city while the National Guard stands and watches. Man, a member of the National Guard now, he's a senior fellow in the Media Research Center. Uh, author of the book, We Can Overcome, an American Black Conservative Manifesto. Lieutenant Colonel Alan, North recover- uh, Alan West, rather, recovering from a uh, devastating uh, motorcycle crash, uh, will not give up his slot on the show. And for that, we're infinitely appreciative. Colonel, welcome back. How are you feeling? Hey, I'm doing very well, recovering fine, uh, Brian. It's been a week since I got released from the hospital. And, you know, right now I'm getting uh, my uh, wound dressings uh you know, removed and, and uh, you know, repaired. And uh, the wound doctor that I saw yesterday said that I'm doing very well in my recovery. So just, you know, I just thank God for surviving and thank God for the healing and the recovery. Well, you sound great. It's amazing. Uh, I knew you were tough, but I didn't know you were that tough. 75 miles an hour <laughs> off a motorcycle, grinding on, on your, as your face was really between you and the pavement. Unbelievable. Uh, so, Colonel, let's, can we talk about the unrest in our country? It's really unprecedented. I saw Dan Hoffman this morning said to me, he said, Brian, this is the 1918 pandemic, the 1929 depression, and the 1968 unrest all wrapped at one time. Is that accurate? 
No, that's a great uh, parallel, and that's what we have to do is, and look at that and study that. But who would have thought, you know, this has nothing to do with Georgia Floyd anymore. This has to do with a far-left progressive socialist anarchist group, which is what Antifa is. And really, they are, as President Trump has declared, a domestic terrorist organization. And what is appalling to me is when you listen to mayors like Bill de Blasio or governors or other mayors that are giving them a pass, that are not standing up and protecting the citizens of the city, which is their number one job is the safety and security of the citizens of their city, because their ideological agenda is more important than anything else. So I I think that in the long run, this is really going to hurt these mayors and these governors and these county administrators that have not only sided against against the American people with these unconstitutional stay-at-home orders and destroying small businesses, but now think about you're a small business owner, you finally get to open up, and they're allowing these groups to go around, well, not rioters, but these terrorists. That's what they, you have to see them as, these terrorists that are going out and destroying these businesses and destroying livelihoods. Hey, Colonel, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm really concerned because this isn't a disagreement. These people are out to destroy the country. They don't have a philosophy yeah. to destroy the country. They're physically going to the most prosperous cities in the country and going to the most prosperous blocks and the most prosperous stores, and they're stripping them bare. And it seems like law enforcement's unable to stop and stay a step ahead. The communication, the tactics are better than the cops right now. Well, that's why you have to start peeling back this organization, because that's exactly what it is. Their communications means, their resourcing means. And think about this, Brian, when honest, everyday Americans wanted to go out and protest against these stay-at-home orders and, and shutdown orders of their businesses, and they wanted to use Facebook or social media to organize themselves, you know, those people threatened to uh, censor them, to, shut, to, to kick them off of those uh, platforms. But yet you have these anarchists, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, that are using these platforms to send out their organization uh, schemes and also plans. I saw one right here in Texas where the uh, gentleman from Antifa said they pushed us out of Dallas. Let's go out into the suburbs. And he even named Garland, where I live, and Wiley and Saxon. So this is planned. This is deliberate. And we have to see this as, as an enemy force. I hate to tell you, but uh, they're they're right by my house too in the suburbs, and I got a I got a message a little while ago, got an alert uh, that they could be in my town tonight. So that's real. That's the suburbs, and along with I'm sure they're not going to stop in Manhattan. Um, this is this is a time in which I could say that they're not targeting to make things better. I know no. sometimes rage and sometimes celebration. You wreck things, right? Sometimes you're so angry. Uh, that you think that Minneapolis police, for example, are going get, to get, get away with choking, uh, choking George Floyd to death with their knee. You, think it, you understand that rage. You go, wow, man, uh, things got out of control quick. But when it and happens day you. after day after day and day after day, I, I'm saying that, wait a second, guys, this is not about black and white. No, it's not about black and white, and it has gone beyond the incident with George Floyd, which the entire United States of America 
rallied to. We all understood. We all saw that video. That was evil. It was despicable. It was heinous. And that officer that had his neck on the carotid artery of George Floyd, that's first-degree murder to me. He he had every no question to hurt him. And the other three officers, that's accessory to murder. Case closed. But to be out here and destroying properties and businesses, to say that you're going out into your neighborhood next, into your town, no. And, and let me tell you this on, on national radio, something bad is going to happen because at some point in time, you're going to go into a neighborhood and a community or to a business, and they're going to protect themselves, and they have the right to do so. Yep. Uh, so I want to bring you to something else. Bob Johnson. Uh, one of the richest uh, people in America, I think, and he's the creator of Black Entertainment uh, Network. He has not been a critic of the president for the most part. He was ha- talking about how the African-American community was really accelerating and having success yeah. under this president. Here's what he says. He wants reparations uh, for blacks in America uh, to the tune of trillions. Cut 14. As in always, the uh, people who pay for uh, revenue investments, that this country needs are us, the taxpayers. And the taxpayers will pay for this because for two reasons particularly. One, it is a, an atonement for 200 plus years of slavery, desegregation, I mean, segregation, Jim Crowism, and denial of equal opportunity rights. But the result of that payment would be to bring African Americans equal to white Americans in terms of opportunity, wealth, and income. It would come down to $350,000 for every African-American in the country. Do you think that's the right way to go? Uh, No, Brian. That's the dumbest damn idea. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. America is about equality of opportunity, not equality of outcomes. I was born in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital, and I'm sitting here in a beautiful house in the eastern hills of Garland, Texas, because this country gave me the opportunity to rise and do that. Yes, there were struggles. Yes, there were things that were bad. But for us to continue to have people to talk about reparations and and have us continue to look backwards instead of forwards, you know, how are you going to determine this? You know, how are you going to target which taxpayer pays the other taxpayer? taxpayer for something that they've never had anything to do with. So I am sick and tired of this slavery mentality that has created what you see in these inner cities all across the United States of America. And what Mr. Johnson should really do, if he really is interested in reparations, have the Democrat Party write a check, because they are the ones that have caused the greatest amount of damage to the black community in the United States of America. Intentionally? Yes, I, I agree. It's intentionally because Lyndon Baines Johnson, and, and he was quoted on saying this on Air Force One, that if they, they got it, you know, everyone to vote for that civil rights legislation, that he would have the black community voting for the Democrats for the next 200 years. And so when I look at the decimation of the family, when I look at the economic enslavement, the collective subjugation, the failure uh, of, of the school systems, everything. You, the poverty, the, the health crisis in the inner city, it comes back to one party has been controlled in those, of those cities for the past 50 to 60 years. And that's where you see the greatest amount of problems and failures of their policies. So Bernie Sanders was asked about the looting 
uh, fellow Democrat, uh, not you, uh, but another Democrat, um, was asked about the looting. He says the rich have been looting the poor for uh, since America started for 200 years. Uh, excuse me, looting for 40 years. Uh, that was his response to the looting. What's your reaction? Again, this is a person that says that they have taken an oath to the Constitution of the United States of America. What Bernie Sanders is doing is emboldening people to go out and do this. In essence, uh, you know, I'm going to take what I want because you took it from me in the first place. And that's why this goes down a very bad, uh, bad rabbit hole. This is about America. And this is about people understanding the, the ideological chasm that is out there. We are almost in a state of an ideological revolution, and, uh, and we have been in a state of an ideological civil war. But when you have people openly professing socialist, Marxist ideology like that and, the, and supporting the violence that goes along with it, Brian, I'm very concerned for my country. I really am. More concerned than ever before in your life? Ever before in my life. Right, right now I am. I would have never thought that this would happen in the country that, that has given me so many great opportunities, that has enabled me to, to rise up and be the man that I am today. And my wife, Angela, to have immigrated here from Jamaica and have an MBA, PhD, be a business professor, a successful financial planner. That's what America is all about. It's not about anybody giving me a check. It's about just allowing us to have opportunity. And it doesn't mean you're not critical of your country because you want to make it better. And I'll bring you to this quote from Frederick Douglass I read yesterday because I'm studying how Douglass and Lincoln worked together in the Civil War. And mm-hmm. he wrote this in 1862. He who is the best friend of his country, who at the tremendous crisis dares tell his countrymen the truth, however disagreeable that truth may be, and such a friend I will aim to be. I will hold up America to the lightning scorn of moral indignation. In doing this, I shall feel myself discharging the duty of a true patriot, for he is the lover of his country and rebukes and does not excuse its sins. This is a guy who was born into slavery, escaped, spent seven years as a fugitive, became one of the most famous people in the world and the most highly educated person and helped change America as much as anyone, including Lincoln. And even though he grew up in the worst conditions you can imagine, he still loved his country and wanted to make it better. I don't believe these looters want to make it better. No, these looters don't want to make it better. And not just Frederick Douglass, my ideological mentor is Booker T. Washington. I would encourage everyone that is listening right now to read his autobiography, Up From Slavery. Uh, Booker T. Washington didn't ask for reparations. He didn't ask for a check. He went down to the Deep South and built an incredible institution that still stands today called Tuskegee University. And we know the type of people that that university, that institute produced. That's why we don't need handing out checks. That's the soft bigotry of low expectations when you listen to Bernie Sanders, when you listen to Bob Johnson. And I want Americans to be victors, not victims. But this is a, this, this, these are the times that are trying men's soul right now. And we're about to find out who the summer soldiers and the sunshine patriots are, Brian. Yeah, and I read Up From Slavery. It is awesome. You talk about visualizing success from impossible circumstances. He visualized himself going to school. He visualized that school being built. And he visualized the president speaking at a commencement dress there. And it all came true at a time in which he was born a slave. He remembers getting his freedom, working in the coal mines. 
and then just willing himself an education when it seemed impossible. It is one of the most inspiring books I've ever read. Uh, and yeah. it just makes you think, be mad at yourself for ever thinking that life stacked against you or things aren't breaking your way uh, because he made it happen. Uh, thanks so much, uh, uh, Alan uh, West, and thanks so much, too, for, uh, for coming on, telling your story days after a devastating accident and continuing to show up for us. We appreciate it. It's about serving the country, and you're my friend, Brian. I'm always going to be there for you. Uh, and, and, and me for you. Uh, thanks so much, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And there will be additional federal assets deployed across the nation. There will be a central command center in conjunction with the state and local governments that will include General Milley, Secretary Esper, and AG Barr. But I won't go any further in announcing what actions. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, she was a little upset yesterday. She's like, what do you say? When you say the president disappeared, what are you talking about? Uh, he spoke on Friday. On Saturday, he had a major speed. On Sunday, uh, he gave out a message. But then Sunday was in the middle of uh, the unrest there right in front of his house. And he did not send a message out that night. But on Monday afternoon, he did. So that was a lot of her press conference from 2 to 2.20 yesterday. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 7669 I want to get your calls. Uh, the unrest, listen. You want to protest? I get it. I understand it. I mean, it's outrageous behavior. 96% of the country agree uh, that this cop and the cops need to be prosecuted uh, and need to be arrested, charged with murder one to three. Get it. But I don't know what's happening at night. They're not pro-American. William, listen on WTRC in South Bend, Indiana. Hey, William. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. There's, uh, again, not to continue to carry on the the same rhetoric that, um, you know, there's protesting, then there's thugs that are rioting. But there was a uh, radio station I listened to on a regular basis in the afternoon, and he was interviewing some other DJs that were on a radio station that happened to be African-American and was brought up that, hey, you know what? You have an opportunity to do something if you apply yourself and go out and get it yourself. And uh, again, it comes back to that they're saying that this will never stop, that, that the, the country is the state that it's in because they've been suppressed and they've been mistreated since they were brought here originally. And that's never going to change. And if you look at it that way and you don't take the steps to better yourself, then you have nobody but, nobody but yourself to blame. Look at yourself in the mirror and say that. So when, when I'm hearing all this stuff about them going Reparations. in, they said that the, yeah, the, the, the jobs that they're talking about, that their jobs are not, they don't have jobs, that, they, that, um, that they're not getting their unemployment checks. You know what? Trump wanted to get this country moving again, and there was a handful of, of governors that are totally against opening up their states, which they're now doing, and they're saying, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay now. But they were holding up everything. Um, as far as trying to make sure that every, everything goes along the lines of holding him up, making him look bad for another 154 days until the election. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There are forces out there to destroy Trump. Meanwhile, they're destroying the country. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. 
It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show and one of the most frenetic weeks uh, I ever remember, and I hope we can ever remember. A lot of times things are crazy because they're exciting. Uh, this is... Uh, this is news that's uh, distressing. It's a huge challenge uh, to the most sophisticated minds, politicians, and law enforcement people in our country. And it's not Al-Qaeda. Uh, it is Antifa and others uh, intent on not getting justice or racial justice in America, but to destroy the country and, and the most, uh, the richest, most successful blocks, the most successful people around. They want to take them down. Who these people are is the biggest mystery. We'll discuss it. Uh, I'll do a simulcast with Stuart Varney and Ainsley Earhart will be joining me at the bottom of the hour. But right now, uh, waiting on board is a former NYPD uh, police commissioner and fire commissioner, Howard Safer. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Well, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Trump time. How the president is trying to take control and pushing governors to do the same while the critics rage at his tone and his walk to St. John's Church. Number two. If I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, then what are y'all doing? Y'all protest, y'all destroy stuff. Let's do this another way. Uh, that is Terrence Floyd. Man, he went a long way with his statement yesterday. The difference is profound between protesters and rioters. And these rioters, the protesters uh, for George Floyd, no. The rioters are not for George Floyd. Terrence Floyd made that clear. You're not doing it in his name and don't use him as an excuse. The rioters are organized. They are lethal and they want to bring this country down. Number one. We need order. We need structure. We need discipline. And frankly, we need people leaning in with compassion, throwing bombs towards one another. It only eliminates all life. So I recommend that we focus our attention on progress. Uh, that is one of the most level-headed guys in Congress in, uh, in Washington. The state of the union is chaos. While Minneapolis and D.C. seem to be somewhat under control, most of the other major cities, 39 have already asked for the National Guard out, are not under control. A state of lawlessness and looting rage, and cops are targeted. And I just don't know how much more they're going to be asked to do before they decide saying it's not worth carrying this badge. Howard Saver did carry the badge for years. In fact, he was the NY New York City Police Commissioner from 96 to 2000. He is now Chairman and CEO of uh, Vigilant Resources International. Commissioner, welcome back. How would you characterize the state of the city after 11 o'clock last night? Well, I think the headline on the post was correct. It says mayhem. <laughs> and I, unfortunately, I think that's what's going on. It is not the NYPD I know. Is it the police that are underperforming, or is it the number of looters that are overwhelming? Well, I think there's a number of things going on here. Uh, I don't think that there are enough looters to overwhelm the NYPD. Uh, you know, the NYPD is as big an army as most countries, and they have the resources to act if the rules of engagement are clear to them. Clearly, the mayor of New York has 
put a restraint on Dermot Shea and the NYPD. And what I'm seeing is total reaction rather than taking a very clear strategy and dealing with looters before the the looting happens and before the vandalism happens. And it, it just does not feel like the NYPD that I know. You know, during uh, my tenure and Rudy's tenure, uh, we had some serious issues like Luma and Diallo. We did not have any riots because we did a number of things. First, we reached out to every community leader and brought them to one police plaza and implored them to help us keep calm, which they did. Secondly, as soon as anybody appeared to do any vandalism or raise a hand, uh, they were arrested, and we identified through intelligence who the ringleaders were, and we dealt with them. That does not appear to be happening right now. But they don't even, I mean, what I'm seeing now from the civilian side is they seem organized. The communication is is great. Uh, their tactics are almost rehearsed, and they're being financed and armed with bricks, ghost cars full of materials, all in order to uh, destroy uh, the most profitable stores in New York City. Yeah, Antifa has great logistics. Uh, they're very well organized. This is not anything spontaneous. And we should be dealing with that. We should be identifying who those people are and getting them off the street. What we're doing now is reacting. I mean, I watched that police officer being attacked uh, in the Bronx this morning. Uh, that cannot be tolerated. And we need to take firm and aggressive action so that the peaceful protesters can protest and be protected and the citizens of the city and the merchants of the city can be protected. And that's not, not going to happen if we're just reacting. Commissioner, 700 arrests, 47 cop cars are damaged, vehicles are damaged, and 13 are burned. I mean... That, to me, is overwhelming numbers, and it shows they do have some tactics there. What could, we, what could you learn? This is now night three of major unrest in New York. What should you be learning from the first two that could bring some order tonight? Well, I think we, should, we could be learning who, what the ringleaders look like, and I think they look like something, you know, how they're dressed, how they act. I think the other thing is it was preposterous to me that after waiting so long to impose the curfew, they imposed the curfew at 11 o'clock at night after three hours of darkness, which gives them the ability to go ahead and do what they did last night. That curfew should be 7 o'clock. And law-abiding citizens and protesters will get off the street, and it'll be a lot easier to identify who the looters and the vandals are. Where's the National Guard? How are they being utilized? How would you utilize them? I wouldn't utilize them at all. I don't think we need the National Guard in New York City. There are, you know, with really? 35,000 police officers, we, we should be able to deal with this situation. I, I don't know. Uh, do you believe there are two different groups, protesters and rioters? Absolutely. Uh, the majority of the people out there are peaceful protesters. But then there are both people from out of state, and then there are the gangs in, in New York who say, what, what a great way to, 
to be able to loot with impunity because the police are not stopping them. They're just kind of arresting them as a target of opportunity rather than protecting the property uh, of both corporations and individual uh, merchants. We're not doctors or scientists, but the oppressive pandemic response where we don't even have phase one to June 7th, the frustration people feel, the business owners are dying on the vine, unable to even try to make a run of it. What role does that play in ratcheting up the tension, if any? Well, it's going to ratchet up significantly, especially for small business owners. You know, these these rioters and these out-of-staters plus the gang members here are, are destroying small businesses which may never recover. Uh, I just don't see the police reacting in the assertive manner that they need to to send a signal, unlike what happened in Minneapolis, where the signal they sent was, take our third precinct, you can do whatever you want. And that didn't only affect the philosophy of these guys in Minnesota. It sent a message throughout the country. You know, you want to riot and steal? We're not going to do anything. They took the seven. They tried to take the seventy seventh in Brooklyn, uh, and they almost had successful. A lot of a lot of men uh, were hurt uh, that night. I believe it was Saturday or it was Saturday night. Excuse me. And now you believe I understand that about thirty percent of the rioters are from new from this region. The rest are coming from the outside. No, I think it's the opposite. I think about thirty percent are from outside. Uh, the rest of them are from New York and people who are taking advantage of a situation. People who see an opportunity to loot. I mean, you know, what protest is there in stealing Rolexes? What protest is there in breaking windows of bodegas? It's outrageous. And, you know, we need to take a stand, and we need to do it immediately. And the mayor, who I watched this morning, almost apologize for the actions of the police department, needs to let the NYPD do what they know how to do. Are you seething? I mean, this is you, these are your people. This is your not your le- personal legacy, but the NYPD was on top of the mountain, and now for three straight nights they've been dragged through the streets between these cops being attacked, between unable to actually get ahead of this thing. It seems the prestige is on the line at this point. Are they are they really hamstrung by? Uh, by by deficient politicians, or is there something they can do? I believe that they are being restrained. I heard the mayor say it this morning. I heard the mayor talk more about uh, scrutinizing the actions of police officers this morning than I did about supporting the NYPD and letting them do what they know how to do. You know, the NYPD is the best police department in the world. Thurmond Shea is a good commissioner. Uh, Monaghan is a good chief of department. They know how to deal with these issues, but they have to be let loose to do it. They can't be apologists. Commissioner Safer, thanks so much. Uh, Hopefully we'll talk about how they got a hold of this thing instead of why they haven't uh, the next time we speak. Thanks so much, Commissioner Howard Safer. Take care, Brian. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back to take your calls and uh, get your take on where we're at right now as a country. Joe Biden is speaking now, pretending to be a president. Uh, We'll see if the teleprompter lets him down again, and we'll see what his words are. Uh, Believe me, the man who just told us the way to stop these people is to shoot him in the leg is not the guy you want in charge. Back in a moment. 
Can you make It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. We have to be vigilant about the violence that's being done by this incumbent president to our economy and to the pursuit of justice. When peaceful protesters dispersed in order for a president, a president from the doorstep of the People's House, the White House, using tear gas and flash grenades in order to stage a photo op in one of the most historic churches in the country, or at least in Washington, D.C., we can be forgiven for believing the president's more interested in, the, in, in power than in principle. I don't know what he's talking about. You didn't like the walk over from the Rose Garden to the St. John's Church? Okay, it's no big deal. The president could sit there behind the gates uh, and stay, uh, stay under Secret Service protection, do his job. He's very busy. Or he could show everyone, yeah, you can burn the church. You're not going to stop the president. Uh, you could still have the attorney general on the street. You have Mark Milley on the street, too, in Washington, where chaos reigns. I think it's a good symbol. But... It was that he had to clear out the protesters to do it. They moved it out quick, and that's the way it went. You don't like it, you don't like it. It wasn't for a photo op. It was to show people symbolically that we're not under lock and key here. And, by the way, for those people who are critical of the president for going into, uh, for going under Secret Service protection, which was uh, one level below the main floor, that's what Secret Service does. You think George Bush didn't want to land right after 9-11 in Washington? But Secret Service has to tell you where to go. And by the way, about 70 were hurt in front because they're way too permissive with these rioters, not the protesters. Robert, listen on WNIS in beautiful Virginia Beach. Hey, Robert. Hi, Brian. We were sitting around the dinner table last night, and I was saying how, uh, how moved I was when I saw that video. And even Russ Limbaugh said he was shocked and couldn't get his head around how that uh, guy was killed. And my daughter looks at me and says, you're shocked? Black people aren't shocked. They see it all the time. And I am the first one to, put the, to uh, defend the police in situational. Uh, uh, you have no idea what, what was going on before the camera started to roll. But then you see that, and then you see the guy who was, who was selling cigarettes uh, in New York, and he, got, and he died. And then you see that little boy who was killed uh, who had a toy gun at a distance of 20 yards. And then you start to wonder, what about Rodney King? Now, again, these situations are all different, and I'm the first one to defend the police. But when my daughter said, you know, the, the black people aren't shocked by this. So you wonder how much bias there is. And, and my daughter even said, you know, we're all biased. And bias isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just we have to acknowledge that we're biased. And that when you see uh, a black person in a white neighborhood, that your first thought is, what's he doing here? You know, and we see people. Robert, uh, uh, one thing, one thing. Yeah. I, 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 let me just get a word in. Okay, great point. I Go love ahead. to have substantive conversations at the table. Two different generations, obviously. A couple of things. If we, could, if we could have this conversation, this is what I thought the show was going to be about last week when this became a big story. I can't even get to this conversation because the rioters are destroying every major city in the country and they're not doing it for George Floyd. Now, on this no, conversation right. specifically, right. and that's what bothers me, uh, cops will point out to the thousands, the millions of interactions, not arrests from speeding on down to directions on down. And there's no incident. 
and they could point to stats that show a white person is more apt to get shot than a black person. Having said that aside, let's do it. Let's police department by police department, most of which are minority dominated. Let's start making sure the tactics are cohesive. You could come from the federal government. I mean, who would ever think that Minneapolis uh, operation could feel that that was okay? And they seem to think it was okay. Those same idiots arrested a CNN reporter, black reporter, live on television, handed back his microphone and turned around and said, we didn't know he was a member of the media. I mean, not everybody in Minneapolis is a knucklehead in, the, uh, in uniform. In fact, I'm sure well, most of them are great people. They don't do it for the money. Maybe they did for after 25 years of their life at risk. But maybe there's got to be something that's got to be looked at. I'm for that. Absolutely. Let me say one, but what I'm seeing, but what I'm seeing now is not is not about George Floyd. Go ahead. Let me say one more thing. Um, whenever you see out some of these other peaceful protests, I have to say nothing much changes. And the guy on Russia's show yesterday, the Charlemagne, the guy, whatever his name is, says we have to quote unquote dismantle the institution that that protects you know the the white people. I don't even know what that means. I don't. Know, I have no idea what that means. But maybe that's the conversations of those types of leaders on your radio show might help. Because when they do have okay, peaceful, uh, but, um, peaceful but, um, but don't you think like, things, Robert, we're not perfect. You don't think things have gotten better since the turn oh, of the century, since I mean, the 1960s? Yeah. Oh, so things do get better. Martin Luther absolutely. King changed the, changed the country. No, I agree. Things but, have gotten better. Know, and, that, and that's the conversation that needs to be had with the black leaders publicly. So the so black people, Chinese people of color can hear this conversation. Absolutely. And the other thing is there are no the black leaders are with and the reverends and the clergy are with the uh, with the protesters. I have not seen one justify the looting. I have not seen one say they represent me. And that's what you get. Um, That's what you get. uh, Rich people, white people, uh, America's upper class. They don't say that. They can't get their head around this. Uh, I personally, I have not seen anybody who represents George Floyd say, great job, what's happening in New York uh, and Los Angeles and in San Diego. Back in a moment, I'll be talking to Ainsley Earhart and then take your calls. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Personally, I was thrilled to see that the fire only burned the nursery. Um, and the fire didn't expand out. It didn't. We have two very historic buildings, and what burned was actually in the basement. And it was just one room that had been recently renovated. It wasn't one of the irreplaceable historic parts of our space. And I was so grateful for that. Um, I also am very, very mindful that those people who did this, or it may have been one person. I don't know who it was. Um, I think it's really important to say that person does not represent the majority of the people that are out there peacefully protesting with an important message. Uh, That is the pastor of St. John's Church talking about the burning in the basement. The president went out there. We saw all the boarded up windows. I said, man, this must be really damaged. It turns out it wasn't, thankfully. And there are plaques everywhere from where uh, Madison stood and all these other presidents stood in Jefferson. Uh, Joining us now is Ainsley Earhart. Uh, co-host of Fox and Friends. I watch that show every day now that I have cable. 
and it's, she's author of The Light Within Me, an inspirational memoir coming out today on paperback, uh, which are brand new afterwards. So you put something else in there. Ainsley, welcome back to the show. Hey, Brian. I, I mean, first off, before we... Time. I know. You know what? I'm going to get you my headshot and sign it for you. You ask me almost every day, and I just don't get, you never get to the post office. So I'll right. get that I'll to you. No, literally, next, I'll we're, post it up on the wall next to the big life-size uh, cardboard that I have of you. You kept that? I did not know you kept that. I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. We joke fantastic. around, but lots is going on in our country. Right. We have uh, three separate locations that we're at with uh, doing the show. Very rigid, because you can't really overlap, because we're all in delays but uh, same thing with the five, same thing with Outnumbered. Uh, Ainsley, first of all, what's your take on the St. John's Church and the president's walk over there? Uh, it depends on what channel you watch. Anderson Cooper never saw something so terrible. Don Lemon says it's the rise of a dictator. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, they were upset with him because on his way toward the church, Secret Service was walking ahead of him, and they had to you know, shoot the pepper spray in the air to get people away. I mean, this is the president of the United States. And I trust law enforcement. I trust the Secret Service in this instance. Uh, they were they were protesting peacefully, allegedly outside of the White House, and so they had to get the president to the church safely. It is the president of the United States, and hopefully, they walked ahead of him and said, "You need to get out of the way," and people distance themselves. If they didn't, then. Uh, maybe there were consequences with the uh, pepper spray, but I'm not sure of the details of that. So I just don't know. Uh, But of course, you know, anything that the president does, everyone's going to complain because um, our country is so divided right now. I thought it was beautiful that he walked over and uh, held up a Bible. I mean, our country is, we need now more than ever to cling to our faith, to cling to Christ, to cling to whatever faith that you grew up in or that you uh, that, that appeals to you, no matter what it is. But that does, when you know, I do my Bible studies, I read the Bible, and I was reading it this morning before your show, and it does calm me. It makes me know that Christ is still in control, that He has not forsaken us. I was reading Habakkuk, which um, if anyone reads the Bible out there, I, I encourage you to read it, a pastor, this Sunday. I, I listened to three different services this Sunday, and one of them um, from Lower Manhattan, the minister said he called one of the pastors up in Harlem and said, I, you know, one of our, our sister churches, and said, I need some advice. What what are you preaching this Sunday? And he said, I'm preaching Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, it starts off, Brian, by saying, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong, destruction, and violence? are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hymn the righteous so that justice is perverted. And the Lord answers, and this gives you chills. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. God is still in control. You would not believe even if you were told, it says. God is still in control. We are still Americans. And Brian, the grand scheme of things is, the majority of people are not out there rioting and looting. The people that are protesting, most of them are doing it peacefully. And that's what the president has been for. So you might have millions of people living in a city and a few hundred uh, are protesting or uh, violent, not protesting. They are looting or rioting. And you have to keep testing one, two, three, four, five, ABCD, EFG, one, two, three, four, five. Brian, are you there? 
Is the mayor of New York in control of the city at this point? Errol, I mean, respectfully, I, I appreciate that that is your provocative question, but it's quite clear we're having an issue in one part of the city. Overwhelmingly, the city right now has been peaceful throughout. I've been all over the city the last few days. Overwhelmingly peaceful. I'm just not going to accept a misunderstanding of what's happening in the city. The city is fully under control and overwhelmingly calm and peaceful. That's just reality. I'm seeing it with my own eyes. You had a number of protesters. They were peaceful protesters. Now, do you have in these uh, situations people who exploit the moment and people who have criminal activity and looting uh, and uh, extremist groups that, that pose anarchy? Yes. But the protesters themselves have been making a very valid point. Wake up, America. We're killing people based on the color of their skin. And it is a real issue. The president wants to make it uh, a reality TV show of God and country. Uh, call out the military, and then I go to church and hold up a Bible. Uh, yeah, we understand who he's trying to appeal to uh, and the base he's trying to rally with the military and, and believe in God and I hold the Bible. But that's not what's happening in this country today. Yeah, that is Andrew Cuomo. You think you'd have his hands full, uh, Ainsley, rather than judging the president, because he decides to put a curfew in at eleven o'clock at night. Why not make it two in the morning? And he doesn't even tell the mayor, who said there won't be a curfew. I mean, does right. that make to, you wonder who's the in control? Will be eight. Yeah, tonight they changed the curfew to eight o'clock. I'm not sure why they imposed an eleven o'clock curfew. You know, hours after it gets dark in New York City, and I had videos sent to me from my own neighborhood. This wasn't just in Soho. This was in Midtown on the east side, Midtown on the west side. We saw Macy's, Herald Square, ransacked. Thankfully, three people were arrested. We see the Upper East Side, Madison Avenue. Then it goes up to the Bronx, where a sergeant is hit by a car. An officer is beat up with unknown objects tossed at him. And the driver of that car that hit the officer got away. So, you know, this is spreading all over New York City. We need definitely more law enforcement there. We need the National Guard, I believe, in New York City. And um, we just, these are our neighborhoods. These are our communities. And I, I watched yep. some videos that are on social media, Brian, of, of women and men standing in the middle of their, of their communities in the Bronx and in Harlem saying, look, we are in government housing that bus stop right there is how I get to work every day. I am an essential worker. I have to go to work. And that bus stop was just burned. And there's glass all over the streets from these looters. And she, this one in particular said, you're coming into my neighborhood. You don't even live here. You don't look like me. You don't live here. I don't know you. I've grown up here. I don't recognize you. Why are you in my community looting all of these small businesses? She, she talks about like nail salons and um, different, different, different businesses that are there. Yeah. And she said, that lady right there, she, she came to this country to build a better life, and you just looted her business. And she's furious. Yeah. It's people Angel, that are, people uh, are profiting on other people's pain, and they need to stop. We need to come together as a country. So today your book's out of paperback. It was released on hardback about a year ago. What, what do you think, you, what do you hope people get from your book? It's called The Light Within Me, an inspirational memoir, now on a paper. You know, it's a tough time for a book to come out because I grappled with, uh, you know, do I, I, I didn't talk about it on our show today because 
so many people are hurting. But the beauty of this book is it talks about my journey with Christ and how, um, you know, we all have our issues, we all have our sins, but how my faith got me through the ups and downs in my life. And I did add another chapter to the end. I went through a divorce after the book was released, and I talk about that in the last chapter and how God carried me through the, one of the most difficult times in my life. And each chapter I start with a scripture, and that chapter I started with, uh, when times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about the future. It's Ecclesiastes 7.14. God is with us through the good and the bad, Brian. And I always say, in order to get to the mountain, you have to go through the valley. Right now, our country is going through a major valley. Precious George George Floyd, his family, my heart breaks for them. You know, there's not a Democrat or a Republican that watches that video and right. thinks it's okay. And so... Um, the book is just about faith and the light within me, and I want other people, when they look at me, to see Christ in me. And, um, I, you know, I just pray for this country, Brian. Angel Earhart, congratulations. The book is excellent, uh, and I'll see that we have a new uh, forward, a new afterward. And congratulations. It's a tough time to release the book, thanks, but Brian. it's something that will inspire people. Angel Earhart, thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Back in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Now, The Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business, here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. I'll be on with Stuart Varney in just a moment, and you, then we'll take calls at one 408 We're talking about the 700 arrested in New York, the 200 detained in Dallas, uh, the four cops shot in St. Louis, and these are not protesters who want racial justice. They are rioters who hate the country, may be frustrated, but they're hitting the most expensive areas in the most expensive cities. So this is the type of unrest you never thought you would see especially with the progress we have made. I'm not saying we don't have more uh, ways to go. I also don't love the fact that the, the, uh, a lot of the officers are taking a knee now. I understand uh, how they feel about what happened in Minneapolis, but let's listen to Stuart Vaughan. radio, we join him regularly. Brian, I, I got to tell you something. I am absolutely appalled at what the media is doing to our president after yesterday's walk through D.C. to go to St. John's Church and all the media could talk about was it was a photo op and he used tear gas to clear the people out of the way. I'm appalled at this, quite frankly. I, I think the media is in absolute disgrace. It is. And I happen to be listening to one who said, you're looking at the rise of a dictator who wants to take total control, who pledges to use the military in the country despite the law and then insists on pulling out peaceful protesters in order to walk across. He didn't even know where he was going. What he's trying to say is, yeah, there were protests and there was vandalism and there were threats and there were arrests and people were hurt. But I'm not going to be stuck in the White House. I'm going to go over to the historic church and I'm going to show you that we are going to live life as usual. The attorney general walked the streets. Mark Milley walked the streets. And guess what? The streets in D.C. were a lot better yesterday as they were in Minneapolis because the, the brother Terrence uh, Floyd made it be clear when you riot and you create violence, you're not doing it in my brother's name. And the president made clear this country goes on. 
Secret Service may have kept him back over the weekend, but they also cleared it out so we could go over there and show the country is still going to stand up. Because these are extremely perilous times, Stuart. Yeah. Well, 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 where's the guard? Where is the National Guard? Here in New York City, you know the story, Brian. We've had rioting for at least five nights in a row, vandalism all over the place, broken windows. When I walked in the studio, into the building this morning, four o'clock in the morning, broken glass everywhere, Sixth Avenue, the middle of Manhattan. Where is the guard? Where is the mayor? Where are the big city governors and mayors who have failed to get a grip on this anarchy? Where are they? Well, how about the clowns, the mayor of this city and the governor who hate each other and we're paying the price for it. How about the governor deciding a curfew first time in 43 years at 11 o'clock? Why not make it two in the morning? It's useless. It's already dark for three hours. And how about a mayor who sits there hamstringing and handcuffing his own police department, more concerned about their behavior than the behavior of the many who are destroying, okay, let's be callous, his tax base that provides uh, his ability to finance all his services uh, throughout Manhattan. He doesn't care. He says he's in control. He's out of control. Now, Howard Safer just told me, the former commissioner of police, there were 35,000 police that they should not need the National Guard. I was shocked at that. He says it's all about the leadership and what they're allowed to do. Now, they have 700 arrested. Those 700 have to be debriefed and interrogated to find out who's buying the bricks that are being put in the middle of our streets that they are using as weapons, who is bringing these ghost cars in without plates that stop in the middle of the street, and they are filled with material to allow these, these militants to fill up our streets. They're not protesters who want racial justice. They are anti-American activists looking to take down the country and refurbish it in their own twisted image. And they're from 18 to 25. They need to be taken down. I just don't think that we quite understand what the rest of America really feels. I think the rest of America, middle America, if you like, Richard Nixon's silent majority, looking at what's going on in our cities and are sickened and angered. That's what I think they feel. Now, you're in touch with a lot of people all across the country. Is that the feedback that you're getting? Two things. You're right on that. I'll give you that. But there's also people that don't mind having a racial conversation about how to make things equal and giving the next generation more hope than the previous generation. That's the conversation I thought I'd be having. That's a conversation I'm getting from some of my phone callers who were just in the last block. They're saying I'm having a ton conversation with my daughter about uh, law, justice, and equality, and we're talking about this, but I can't talk about that because that was six days ago. Since that time, this is all about damage to major, to major cities, and I think Dan Hoffman, former CIA guy, said it best. In America right now, we have the 1918 pandemic, we have the 1929 depression with 40 million out of work, and now we got 1968, Vietnam, RFK, MLK, chaos, Right now, we have all three things at once. I'm saying that we got to get a hold of this and address it straight on. And understand, to me, the most perilous thing is what's happening from 11 o'clock to 4 in the morning in places like Santa Monica, San yeah. Diego, and the, and the New York City, and many others, 39 cities overall. And we got to do whatever we can to, to, to restore some type of security yes. and get these people off the streets yes. and find out the organization behind it. Yes, well said. Brian, good stuff. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm with you 100%. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. one 408 7669 How much time will I have, do you think?
Um, a minute and a half. So, let, yeah, we can uh, get to some calls or we also could get to some news. Let's go out to Robert listening in uh, 97.1 in St. Louis. I was on Mark Cox this morning talking about those four officers that were shot. Hey, Robert. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, uh, basically, let me start off by saying this first. I totally agree that the looting and rioting and all of that stuff is a shame. It really is a shame. But I just come from the perspective, me being an inner city kid, basically, I just come to the perspective that I, even though I disagree with it and it shouldn't happen, but I almost expect it to happen. After all this time, I know that you don't remember, but the first time I ever called your show, it was back when the um, young man was killed by the cop with his girlfriend and his baby in the back seat. And at that time, everybody was saying, you know, well, we got to, you know, check the tape and make sure we get all the, you know, even though we seen what happened, just like we seen what happened now, you know. Robert, I'll have to have you back. I'll have to have you back again at a different hour. We're up against a hard break, but it is an important message. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. All right, get ready for a big hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to be joined by uh, Andy McCarthy, one of the finest legal minds in the business, and Chris Starwell, who also has a fine mind in his own right. Uh, we'll take your calls at one 408 Joe Biden played I Want to Pretend to be President and spoke a little while ago. We'll bring you the highlights as he stared uh, uh, longingly at his teleprompter. And we'll find out if that's the greatest message. Senator Cornyn just responded saying at a time in which you need unity, he's out there ripping the president. Fantastic. Governor Cuomo did the same thing, which is so clueless of him. Does he know his city's in tatters? The finest buildings and uh, and shops in his city, in his number one city that finances most of his ridiculous projects, uh, is under uh, lock is under fire, and he has a first curfew since the nineteen in forty three years, and he puts it at eleven o'clock at night. So basically, he wants to force people to watch late night television. I guess one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll talk about all that. And uh, we'll carry the breaking news. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Trump time. How the president is trying to take control and pushing governors to do the same while the critics rage at his tone and rhetoric. Number two. If I'm not over here blowing up stuff, if I'm not over here messing up my community, then what are y'all doing? Y'all protest, y'all destroy stuff. Let's do this another way. And he talked about voting. Uh, Terrence Floyd, brother of George Floyd. The difference is profound between protesters and rioters. Are these rioters the protesters for George Floyd? I don't think so. The rioters are out to destroy the country. It's organized lethal and has to be brought to heel. Number one. We need order. We need structure. We need discipline. And frankly, we need people leaning in with compassion, throwing bombs towards one another. That only eliminates all life. So I recommend that we focus our attention on progress. Uh, That wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? 
Senator Tim Scott, the State of the Union is chaos. While Minneapolis and D.C. had a pretty much under control night, most of other major cities are not. The lawlessness and looting rage and cops are targeted. In a city my, dex- my next guest knows well, New York City, where he worked for years and perhaps lives. Andrew McCarthy, welcome back. Brian, great to be with you. Um, have you ever thought you'd see something like this in your city two nights in a row? Three nights in a row? Well, you know, Brian, it's, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot because um, I grew up in a time where we had something like this, not just in my city, but in cities across America. Um, it's like a forgotten decade, the, you know, the late 1960s through the 70s. Brian Burrow wrote a, wrote a great history about it called Days of Rage pointing out that, for example, in 1972, nobody remembers this anymore, but there were 1,900 bombings in the United States of America in 1972 by domestic terrorists and you know, individual Americans who were uh, bent out of shape over various things that we were arguing about back in those days. I think because we've had this renaissance of policing since the early 1990s, and we've had an unprecedented generation of domestic tranquility. People forget that when you don't have the rule of law, when you don't have order, uh, none of our liberties are worth the paper they're written on. And unfortunately, we've taken that for granted and we're seeing it. But it's, it's not unprecedented. It's, unfortunately, it's happened in my living memory. Well, I'll tell you what, this group uh, seems to be insidious. Uh, they seem to be organized and they seem to be trained. Uh, the group that comes in and loots at night, the way they can communicate, the way they can avoid cops. Uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty awe inspiring because they now are armed with sophisticated things like bricks that are delivered in pallets to the middle of the streets. If you had to unwind this, how would you unwind this and beat well, it and get them out? The, 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 yeah, there's two there's two things that we have to remember. And one of them. And this, this again, Brian, is because, I, you know, I think for the last 30 years we've had we've enjoyed such peace on the streets that we don't recognize what the preconditions for peace are. But law, the imposition of order is uh, an assumption that all of the authorities will not allow the streets to disintegrate into this. And that is not a law enforcement issue. It's a security issue. So the police even if you combined all the police forces, federal, state, municipal, that we have in the country, cannot impose order if order has been lost, which is why the law allows the presidents and the governors uh, to call in the National Guard and to use the, uh, the armed forces to the extent that that's necessary uh, in order to restore order. The police can't investigate crime and given their sparse resources, provide security. As you just described, I think, wonderfully, uh, frighteningly, uh, look at what's happening in New York, where we have the finest police organization, I think, on the planet, uh, but they can't protect a city if, you know, a city of 8 million people, if, if, uh, you know, you decide to let murder and mayhem happen. So there's that part of it. And then I think, Brian... There's a responsibility of the protesters, the peaceful protesters. Um, I'm all for the idea that um, we should be able to protest in America anything we want to protest, whether you agree with me or disagree. 
But if you know as a protester, as a as a as ostensibly peaceable protester, that you are providing cover for sociopaths who are using your protest to make mayhem and to destroy the rule of law on the street. I think yeah. you have a responsibility to stand down. And they're not doing that. That's I agree. What I, I, I think that's wrong. Yeah, by the way, the St. Paul mayor who's just on uh, Fox now was on yesterday and said this about what he's seeing with these uh, rioters. There also seem to be people in those crowds who are very intent on sparking violence, on breaking windows, on starting fires, and on trying to convince those folks to, to, to engage in unlawful behavior. We're hearing very clearly from many of our uh, historic advocates, the folks who were on the front lines after Philando Castile were killed, the folks who have been on the front lines of the Black Lives Movement. Uh, not only do they not know the folks who are right there inciting violence, but they're seeing people uh, jump out of those crowds to break a window and then go run back right back in and behind those crowds. Uh, it's very concerning for me. Uh, and they got to spit them out. I mean, you see that 47 the cop vehicles were damaged. 13 were exploded. You saw the cop who was run over, another one who was beat up in Buffalo run over again. So yeah. this is something that I find unbelievably concerning, let alone, let alone how much I care for law enforcement, as you do. Yeah, and, and again, I, you know, I, I didn't see anything yesterday, Brian, that was more eloquent and more moving than the speech that was given by Mr. Floyd's brother, um, who... In, in his justified anger, was pleading with people not to turn this into murder and mayhem. And it just struck me when he was speaking that there's a lot of ways to register your protest and register your anger in a really meaningful way without taking to the streets under circumstances where you know your presence on the street is being used by violent radicals and anarchists to make war on the United States. If I was a protester, no matter how much I was angry about uh, police violence or whatever it was that was making me angry, it would make me more angry if I was being used as a pretext to make war on my country. Here is Terrence Floyd, uh, cut 30. I know he would not want y'all to be doing this. And I'm not saying the people here, whoever's doing it, relax. Yeah, uh, wind it down. And now, and now if you are wrecking something, don't say you're wrecking it for George Floyd because they don't want to hear about it because it's not them. Having said that, uh, I think you've got to interrogate those 700 and more, 700 in New York alone, 200 in California, they got to, who've been detained and arrested. They have to be interrogated, deals cut in order to unwind who formulated them, how they were recruited, and how they know what to do here. There's going to be some of them out of 700 that are going to crack. Wouldn't you think, Andy? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, Brian, which is why, you know, we, we got ourselves uh, a little bit off the track over the president saying that he was going to designate Antifa as a terrorist organization. The, the less important thing about that is the legal designation, which doesn't apply to domestic terrorism. The more important thing, and this is what I think the president was getting at, it was what the attorney general clearly got at, 
is that we are approaching this as they are domestic terrorists, and that's the way that they're going to be uh, investigated. And I think you're absolutely right. That has to happen. And it's, it, this can't be – it can't degenerate into what we had in the 1970s that I was mentioning before, which was, you know, you round up a bunch of people who are making mayhem, and then they're back out on the street before the cops can even finish the paperwork. That can't go on. This actually has to be investigated as a terrorist investigation, and they've got to make an example in these prosecutions. They really do. Yeah, some of their mom will, will uh, have, some of their parents don't even know where these kids are. One parent actually brought their kid in Pittsburgh to, when he found out that he was involved in starting a riot and he's a member of Antifa, turned their own son in in Pittsburgh. And that's what we need. Now, Keith Ellison, who was pictured, unless it was doctored, holding an Antifa gu- uh, guidebook in his hand, he says his son is a supporter of, his, of Antifa. And, of course, Keith Ellison is the attorney general of Minneapolis prosecuting this case. Cut 34. I think that is I think that that was a comment about the absurdity of the president's comment more than anything else. We don't see what the president's talking about. I don't think the president sees what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. Um, We got to see what's going on with with this group and where we go from here, because I don't know how much long they're going to be able to absorb. The other thing I wanted to bring you up to that's got to be disturbing to a guy like you. Brooklyn lawyers included an Ivy League attorney faced federal charges in Molotov cocktail attack. Not only did they come up and throw them, they were handing them out. These Brooklyn attorneys, Collinford Mattis and Urjoy Rockman, were charged with an attack as they threw a bomb into an empty police cruiser that was parked in the 88th Precinct Station House on Sunday. I mean, do you believe this? What's going on with your profession? How could you rationalize this? Yeah, you know, the usual, uh, what's it, first-year law school, constitutional law, torts, Molotov cocktails, uh, you know, know. contracts. Um, Yeah, someone asked me yesterday who I took Molotov cocktails from, and I said, what the hell was the professor, kill me something? Yeah. No, you did not. Are you kidding? <laughs> Look, it's disgraceful, but um, I, I've been sort of um, keeping accounts of the uh, of the lawyer left for a long time, um, and you know they lined up uh, with Al Qaeda with the people who were attacking our country, you know, in the '90s and in the uh, in the 2000s. Uh, they were in a line. That stretched from you know New York City to Guantanamo Bay uh, to contribute their um, their law degrees and their expertise to the to help our enemies, even when we have people on the battlefield. So it's it's depressing, Brian, to see this, but you know, unfortunately, it's par for the course at this point. Andy, if the President of the United States, uh, if this continues to happen at this level, and the President of the United States wants to get the military involved, what has to happen? Well, legally, Brian, I always think the legal parts of this are less important than the practical on-the-ground reality. Legally, the president has all the authority he needs under the uh, Article Four of the Constitution and the Insurrection Act of 1807 and the way it's been codified in, in more modern law. He's got all the authority he needs to dispatch whatever military force he needs if it's necessary to quell a threat. And the governor similarly 
uh, have very broad legal authority to call in the National Guard. So that's the legal context of it. As a practical matter, the more important thing is if they they really have to coordinate and work together, or else you know doesn't the legal power won't help them. Uh, will lose on the ground. So if the rhetoric suggests that each side is setting itself, setting the other one up to take the political fall for failure, the message that that conveys to the radicals on the street is that we're set, we're ready for failure, which is unacceptable to me. So it seems to me that they have to gotcha. grow up, get beyond their, their partisan disagreements. I know it's an election year. It's hard to do. But we have to present a united American front, American front, federal and state, to make the radicals on the streets know that this is not going to be tolerated and we can't let it disintegrate into politics. And that was Andy McCarthy, the American, as opposed to the lawyer. Andy, thanks so much. Brian, my pleasure. one 408 I got your calls next. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to, to your, your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. These Democratic mayor, like in L.A. and governor and the Democrats, they don't want to give President Trump a victory. Trump called out early. Use more force. I'm here available. Use the National Guard. They don't want to do that because that means he's right. And that's why Mayor Garcetti was slow on calling the National Guard. He didn't want to call the National Guard. And then here's the other insult. He insults the intelligence of black voters thinking that, oh, I I don't want to arrest these guys because it might upset black voters. I got news for you, Mayor and Governor and all these Democrats. Black voters want law and order, and the mayor doesn't get it. That's Leo Terrell. Uh, he's a left-wing guy, Democrat, and he's not voting for Trump. But he wants, he, he wants order in the country. He does not want to see any more damage to small businesses and big businesses. He doesn't want chaos in the streets. And yet at the same time, he wants equal justice on the law enforcement. Anything that could be changing to further balance out society, the better. You can have both. And that's what I thought was important to play that uh, when he came out and said what he said. Uh, i got a quick minute left, so let's try to squeeze in Jamie listening in Austin, Texas. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Brian. Hey, man. I was, I was just talking to your screener, and, he, and, and we were talking. And the thing I'm saying is these parents that have raised these kids to have no consequences for their actions is probably yep. the biggest problem we have right now. For, for many years now, these parents have hands off, hands off, cradle to the grave, let the government handle it. You're not going to get that kind of discipline from a liberal government that we've had for over 30 years. You know. I know, I, I like it, and I, I, that's why I want to unmask who Antifa is, who these rioters are. And I don't think that some say they're gang members, some say they're uh, uh, some say they're organized militia. I don't know. I, I think it might be a bunch of people who are looking to matter in this world and just resent everything. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I was thinking that the critical focus of history will judge Donald Trump as a presidential aberration. Walking from the White House through the tear gas laden Lafayette Park to the steps of the Church of the Presidents, St. John's, and holding up that Bible would have made P.T. Barnum proud. Okay, that was Bernard Shaw. As you can see, he's fair and balanced. He does not care who wins an election. He's there to report the news. Uh, he's now retired, one of the first CNN anchors. Uh, he talks about being a former Marine and everything. But I was watching that, and I wanted to bring back that clip, because between Dan Rather revealing his left-wing uh, status and Tom Brokaw basically saying the same thing, actually writing in his book, and then you have Bernard Shaw, the major anchors of yesteryear for about the last 30 years were subtly way to the left, and, man, they're now outed. Chris Starwell joins us now to put it all in perspective. Uh, Bernard Shaw went also went on to predict uh, predict that uh, the Republicans will lose the Senate, uh, continue to be minorities in the House, and the president will get trounced in a landslide. So it's nice to know you're fair and balanced. This just there to deliver the news. What's your reaction to that, Chris? If only there was a cable news channel that wasn't like CNN, where different points of view were available. If only someone could create, invent the idea of a cable news network where conservative views could find a home, where the reporting was fair. We should get on that because it could be big. I think we should look into that because I think it could be huge. I'm not sure it'll ever work because a news channel that doesn't <laughs> well, get much well, ratings well, to begin with, why would we need another? Why would we need another? Exactly. Um, well, especially especially just a show. I mean, oh, no way. So, so, Chris, last night I've never, it's the starkest difference that I can remember. So I'm listening to the president. The president's going to be making his remarks. He's a half hour late. Kaylee McEnany um, does, her, does her remarks. I follow up with some brilliant remarks on Dana's show. I hop in my car to head home, and I'm going to listen to it. So I hear Donald Trump give a pretty good speech, then walks over. At the same time, I said, you know what, let me find out how CNN's covering this walk. Don Lemon's screaming, you are watching the birth of a dictator. You're seeing him take total control of a country. And now uh, all protesters are being blown up, blown out, and told to go home. What they were doing is clearing out a way for him to walk over to the church to say, I'm not stuck in a bunker, essentially, and the church will have another day. It's a historic church. And then on the other hand, I flipped back to our channel, and we talked about how the president had the perfect tone, and he also told people he's in control. The AG would walk down the block a little bit later. Who's right? Uh, I mean, look, the, first of all, I would tell you, I don't think you should watch CNN because I think it will get your blood pressure up, and I don't think that's good. Uh, look, <clears throat> Trump was... You could see what they wanted it to be, right? You could see the moment that they wanted to have. And I thought the speech was quite good, right? I thought the speech hit the notes uh, of sympathy and empathy toward protesters, legitimate protests, and then a promise of, much like George H.W. Bush, Bush in 1992, uh, when he threatened to and then delivered on the promise of mobilizing the regular armed forces uh, against the Rodney King riots in L.A., um, and by the way, Lyndon Johnson did it in Detroit, too. 
Um, but to say that, you know, this is a, this is a reality and, and putting governors uh, and mayors on notice that this that this could happen if you don't act. So I thought that was tonally right. I know what they wanted the walk to St. John's to be. Uh, I just think that from an execution standpoint, it looked like a photo op, and that was unfortunate. I think if you would have had him go over there and meet with the rector and the bishop, if you would have had him go pray, if you would have had him go do, if, if there was something to do other than pose for a photo, it could have been better. And also, I think it was a serious mistake not to include African-American leaders in that uh, in that uh, in that picture, right? That he was there uh, with with all white folks from his administration, and I think that was unfortunate. And the other thing is the tear gas and all of the stuff, so that he could do it. Whether I mean it was curfew or almost curfew time, so whether it was time to clear the streets or not, it opened him up to the criticism that he was that he was gassing protesters for the purpose of a photo op. So I think I know what they were trying to do with the walk. But I think on execution, it missed. Yeah, I would have had something when he got there. But the walk, I think, was good in a counter to I'm stuck in a bunker last night. When you know you're, you're subjected to what the Secret Service wants. You know, the Secret right. Service, uh, President Bush 43, wanted to land on 9-11 in Washington, and they wouldn't let him. You know, when they, when they feel there's a breach, these guys all get fired if they don't protect the president. So he really had very little say in it. So I think he was trying to counter out uh, that. Very, I like the speech. I like the context so. of it. Yeah. I like the speech. I like the content of it. Um, uh, content of it. And I think that the president is counting on people to start restoring calm from the streets. Uh, but not, we're not seeing that in New York. We're not seeing that uh, in Los Angeles. Not seeing it in San Diego. We're not seeing it where 39 states have called up the National Guard. Have you ever seen a time like this in your life, Chris? Um, you know, I, I do think a lot about 92 uh, and George H.W. Bush and the L.A. riots, which were so bad and went on for so long and were so damaging. Uh, these are smaller scale. Um, they are they are many. Uh, they are smaller scale. I, I think one way you can sort of look at this is that we have been in this. This isn't an isolated incident. This is a, a long-running skirmish that goes back at least to Ferguson. Um, and this has been, there is a rhythm now to this, right? Which is that there is a, a some, some travesty of justice uh, uh, inflicted upon an African-American individual, and then you have these that follow. And we remember, you know, Nikki Haley taking taking down the Confederate flag uh, after the mass murder by uh, a white supremacist in a black church. This is all sort of part of this rhythm that America has developed. And it certainly looks a lot like what we saw between, let's say, 1966 and 1970. There's certainly a lot of there's certainly a lot of that rhythm, even if the intensity is much less. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I was actually out there in 92. They did shut the city down, but he got the sense it was one city as opposed to um, 50. Uh, that certainly would help. Here's one thing I thought we'd be talking about today when this incident first happened. 70% of whites say they trust the local police. 36% of blacks uh, say they trust the local police. How do we change that? That's well, the dialogue you know- I think that could help the country. When you, you know, when you look at the way this has uh, gone down in most communities, you would say that we are, as a whole, making progress, right? 
um, the majority of police departments have responded to this really well, right? And when you see officers, you saw the guy uh, in, I think he was in Michigan. Oh, in Flint, Michigan, he takes off, the sheriff takes off his helmet, puts down the baton, says, we're going to march with you. When you see the mutual respect, when you see the mutual admiration between legitimate protesters and good police officers, I think most of it is moving in the right direction. The problem is there is simply too much of a reward for bad actors, right? So the TV cameras are there, the president is there, the attention is there, and you can't, if your goal is to sow disharmony, if your goal is to sow mistrust between black Americans and white Americans, if your goal is to make Americans anxious and angry, then you have a stage, while this stuff is going on, every night you have a stage whether you're Antifa or whether you're some white nationalist trying to discredit black protesters, whatever, this is like you're a moth to a flame. And as long as you you can uh, do that, you're going to keep doing it. And that's why we have to move past this as a partisan issue. The governor of Minnesota wants the same thing as the president of the United States. The mayor of Detroit wants the same thing as Mitch McConnell. Everybody wants the same thing which is for black Americans to feel safe and uh, equal in their country and for violence to be an unacceptable response uh, to political frustrations. So Joe Biden is out of the basement today, gave a speech Uh, the other day. uh, Yesterday, he was talking about police training and how he'd handle some of the problems and distrust. Uh, The audio is not great, but I want you to hear a cut 11. Because we also have to fundamentally change the way in which police are trained. And the idea that instead of standing there and teaching a cop who's an unarmed person to be coming at him with a knife or something, shooting him in the leg instead of in the heart, is a very different thing. There's a lot of different things that can change. That's great. I mean, once we get that down, the rest is easy. What did he say? Yeah, he said that. Once we train people to shoot someone in the leg instead of the heart when they're coming out of a club, that has to change because we don't teach them that. So once that's down, I think we're pretty much in the, you know, it's all blue skies. So, exactly. Once we get down to the, just shoot them in the leg. Ay, 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 ay. Um, you know, Biden's speech today was uh, good and it was obviously different in emphasis than the president's, but the same in content, basically. Um, just flipped the flipped the emphasis, and it was the, it was the same spirit. Uh, and Biden doing it surrounded by African American leaders. But here's here's the thing that Republicans and Democrats don't want to believe: persuadable voters, the people who will decide this election, they don't care how you do it. They don't care whether you do it nicey nice. They don't care whether you do it tough. They don't care. It doesn't matter. They just want you to succeed. They just want you to make it happen. And the thing for Trump is he's got to show that on coronavirus, on the economic ravages of the lockdown and on this unrest in America's cities, that he can get results. It doesn't you know, as my pet used to say, you can be right or you can be happy, but usually not both. And in politics, these voters who both of these guys are trying to reach out to, they don't care how they just care that you do. Um, right. uh, what are you saying, golf? Uh, they don't ask uh, how; they just ask how many, and that's very true for presidents. 
So it doesn't matter how Trump does it or it doesn't matter how Biden promises to do it. It's the question of whether or not voters say, OK, I think this guy's got it. I think he can handle these problems. Yeah, I remember. I love sports analogies when we used to have sports and when, it, when you use them, it just makes <laughs> hey, me can wonder I ask you something? when they're coming back. Yes. Can I ask you something? What is wrong with baseball? I am so mad. I am just like, oh. I, I am so furious at these owners and these players that at a time where their country that gives them so much, so many tax breaks, this, just all of the stadiums, all the stadia, all of these things that baseball gets, it's special status as America's pastime. And these jamokes cannot find a way to get on the baseball diamond for the 4th of July. If they can't do that, then I say to heck with them. I'm just I'm I, I'm so stunned and disgusted by the conduct of both sides in this. It's really disappointing. We're, I know you're a big Nationals fan, but we're going to forget who's on these teams. It's going to be a complete year. Remember, they canceled the 94 World Series. We said that would never happen. The experts told us that would yep. never happen. They canceled it, right? They've also stopped seasons in the middle and come back with two division champions playing some odd bracket ball before they played right. actually for a pennant. So here's the deal. I guess the owners made a presentation, and it would be the upper, the upper class players who get paid the most would have to take the biggest pay cut, and they didn't want to hear of it. Now they don't want to play 80 games. Now they're going to play 50 games. 50 games? Why bother? 50 games? I mean, with preseason's longer than that. So, and then they're going to I, need three weeks to warm up. <laughs> I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan. The Nationals are fine. But I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan, for the record. I understand that, ev- that everybody has their own interests, and this is America, and you're free to pursue your own interests. But, man, if these doctors and these nurses, if these cops, if these people can go every day and face real physical danger in executing necessary duties, this is like, you know, you got in, in 1944 the Browns versus the Cardinals, and they had the one-armed outfielder <laughs> they Major League Baseball got it done because America needed baseball to watch during the war. America needed baseball as a distraction. America needs baseball now. Get it together, people. Hey, listen, there's plenty of sports to fill the gap. Baseball should understand uh, the game is on the line. I 100% agree. Chris, we're going to focus on that for a complete hour someday. Uh, But until that time, I have to take a break. All right, man. Bye. By the way, the, the President of the United States and First Lady are visiting the St. John the Paul II National Shrine right now. Uh, we'll take a look at that and see if any news emerges. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, back with just your phone calls and me. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Tamika, what are you feeling tonight when you look at uh, what's happening in cities around the country? Well, to answer your question, how I would handle looters, I would arrest the cops so we can get people off the street and into their homes and be able to really determine who may be looters, who may be criminals, and who are actually protesters. Arrest the cops. You actually said that on television with someone who's lauded by all the late night shows and Spike Lee, arrest the cops. The cops are the problem. Now, the Minneapolis cops, all four are in trouble. One probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Uh, But that was a left-wing activist. And that's how she would solve the problem with racial disparity when it comes to law enforcement. Uh, For me, out of everything I thought of, that really never came to mind that cops should be arrested. But maybe I'm just slow when it comes to things like that. 
and I'm not thinking out of the box a little bit more. But that's out of the box. That's also very far away from sanity. But that's just my opinion. What do I really know? Uh, we'll take some phone calls if we can. one 408 7669 Just a quick reminder. If you're looking for a Father's Day gift, a lot of people are asking me where to go because all bookstores are closed. If you just go to BrianKillMe.com and you want to personalize for Father's Day, it'll come to my local bookstore. Even though they're forced to be closed, they open up the back door for me, so I'll be able to take your orders. Um, Robert's listening on WABC in Verona, New Jersey. Hey, Robert. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Uh, are we going to have chaos in the city again tonight? Absolutely, there will be. Yes, there will be. Brian, real quick, just quick Even question. With the, and go ahead. What's on your mind? Okay. Go ahead. Married to the same woman for 26 years, with her for 33, have yep. three kids yep. growing up. We donate, we give to charity, we obey the law, we pay our own way. Now, yep. that sounds like a great person, right? Great family? Now, add in that they support yep. Trump. Now they're racist. Okay? That's how society has become right now. We're racist because we support the president. We support his ideas and his thoughts, but now we're racist. But let's get away from that. The cops, they're coming to a situation where they're called for a situ- problem like with George. God bless the guy's soul. And again, no one agrees with what that cop did. He killed that man. Plain and simple. Okay? But these cops are called to situations every day. For crimes, for yep. murders, for whatnot. They're not going out to cause these problems. Again, everyone's saying it's racist. Yes, it is a white man and a black man. A black man died. Okay? We understand that. But we don't know the situation. Again, he's wrong. But... For the rioting to be what it is yeah. right now, what is that solving? So I know what you're saying. So you're saying that's ba- you said you could look at this and say it's terrible policing, terrible law enforcement instead of a white police officer on a black man. That's what you're saying. You're not a racist. You like what Trump stands for. He's a conservative Republican. He's strong on the border. He's strong on law enforcement. He wants to build a strong military and a strong economy. He's not a racist. He's not going to lead any uh, civil justice reform. I get it. But just stand up to people, stand who you are, be proud of who you are, and whatever you do, try to move the country in the right direction. That's all we ask. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.